Hi, hello and welcome. This is the Zonecast where we interview emerging Canadian professionals, entrepreneurs and academics. And today we have with us on the show uh, Julian Brault. He is the founder and CEO of uh, Hard Bacon. Uh, hi, Julian. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, Salman. Happy to be there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely curious to learn about uh, your venture. Uh, can you tell us about your professional and personal background? Well, that's interesting. I, I have like a atypical uh, background. I, I, what I did most of my life was to be a, a business journalist. Uh, but I, I did many stuff like a few entrepreneurs. Like I had a publishing house at some point. Uh, I, I had like a business selling advertisements on placemats. Uh, but I, I guess like if you want to find a link, I, I always valued information. I was always in the business of information and, uh, I still am today as a, as a CEO of Harbacon, which is dealing more into, uh, software and financial information. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, can you tell us about uh, Hardbacon and how the idea came about? Yeah, I mean, to, to, to be honest, like it's, I don't have this uh, foundation story, uh, that is so, that have like a breakthrough moment. Uh, one of the thing, uh, it, it start, it's not very sexy because it, it, it really comes from like a macro, uh, analysis of the market. So basically I, I, didn't do super well in the publishing business. I was, I managed to sell it for almost nothing. Um, and one of the things I knew for sure is that my next venture, uh, would be in an industry where there's a, a shift or high growth that allows me to, to win, uh, while other people win as well. And I don't need to eat the lunch of someone who's better capitalized than me, which is very hard to do. It's not impossible, but very hard. Uh, so I, I look at different industry and I actually, you know, based on a lot of, uh, factors, like, you know, is there a lot of structured information? Is the distribution process like really based on human and not automatized? Uh, found that finance was probably the best place to be. And when I say finance, I mean using technology to automate some part of finance. Uh, so that's what we call financial technology. So, uh, and I did all this, this thought process happened while I was a journalist and, and I was writing about, you know, the travel industry being completely disrupted, the retail industry. And I saw like finance being the next big industry and, and finance, by the way, is much bigger than, you know, retail and, and, and travel and advertising together. So it's really big. Um, and I ended up uh, leaving journalism and leaving the, the, the business newspaper I was working for uh, to join uh, an investment fund that was investing in uh, fintech startups. Uh, so, so it's a long story, but uh, basically, and that's when I started to have, you know, different ideas. Uh, one of them was to make it easier uh, for retail investors to invest in the stock market. At the beginning, I, I didn't have a breakthrough moment, like I told you. So I didn't know quite what would be like, how I would solve this problem. The, that most people, they don't know how to, uh, start investing. They don't know how to manage their money in the stock market. And I, actually we discovered a, a bunch of stuff that I could 
talk to you about for a long time. Uh, but basically, that's how it started. Uh, I, we started really with solving the problem of, of investing. And now we solve a bunch of problems uh, related to finance, uh, personal finance. Uh, but that's how it started. And, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, so so I, I'm sorry I didn't give you like a, a nice story where the light bulb light up and everything is clear. <laughs> that, that flash of genius. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so when did you start this company? Was it last year? No, it was in 2017. 2017, alright. And, and we launched the Bacon app, uh, in the app store. I think we, we started, uh, uh, only on, uh, on the iPhone. Now we're both Android and iPhone, like in beginning of 2018. Okay. And Bacon is essentially a mobile app which uses uh, AI or machine learning to help in investors invest in stocks, correct? Not exactly. I mean, uh, first of all, I want to be very transparent. Like there was a news recently that we got some uh, funding from the federal government for uh, AI research project. Uh, right now, there's no AI in production in hard bacon. We're, we're working on something that will... Uh, help, uh, rate, uh, financial securities using, uh, AI. Uh, but right now, uh, our bacon is more like a 360 personal finance app. So it does, uh, planning. People can enter financial goals and the app tell them, uh, like what to do to reach them. Uh, it does budgeting. So it connects your bank account and you can know exactly how much you're spending in restaurant, how much you're spending in, uh, I don't know, entertainment. And finally, yes, it helps you see where are the risks in your investment portfolio, uh, like where are your return uh, coming from, and uh, we connect to all the investment accounts in, in Canada too. So we started really with investment piece, uh, and, and now we kind of do most of the stuff around uh, to, to really have a tool that helps you, uh, you know, give you the, 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 all the right information to make the, the right decision in terms of your personal finance. Mm-hmm. So, so right now there is no AI piece. Uh, you have received a research grant to um, do some AI research, but right now it's a mobile app, and uh, you you described the features of this uh, particular app. Um, so, so, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're the the AI component will be added to the app, uh, but right now I, I just want to be transparent because in fintech there's so many companies that are saying they're doing AI and are nuts. And in order to do AI, you need a huge amount of data that a lot of startups don't ha- have access to. Uh, so so anyway, I just wanted to be transparent. And the first AI product will be really about uh, rating financial securities and not ha- about giving, for example, advice or tips to the users. And that's part of the roadmap. Uh, we just need more users uh, for 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 it to make sense to to use machine learning to 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 better understand them. Mm-hmm. So right now, um, your app is available through the uh, app iTunes, uh, sorry, Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Yeah, exactly. And is it free or is 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 it a premium app or does it? Um, yeah. So it's in the middle. It's a freemium app. So basically, the planning and budgeting is free uh, forever. Uh, and but if you want to to perform like portfolio analysis on your investment accounts 
and you want to access, you know, you click on a stock or a fund and you have more information and, and so on. Uh, this part you need to pay. It's $99 uh, per year or um, $12.99 per month if you take the monthly. Uh, but it, the idea is that if you don't have yet investments, probably it doesn't make sense for you to pay for a finance app to help you make better decisions. So we want to help people get there. And once they have investments, uh, they'll want to pay for the app, but it can still keep using it for the budgeting and planning aspect. Mm -hmm. um, are there other apps in the marketplace which uh, do something similar? Or yeah. is this the first of kind? No, I mean, uh, so, so in terms of like budgeting, I think there's a lot. Like in, in the biggest one in the world is Mint, Mint.com, uh, there in Canada. Uh, there's like, there's a cool one called Emma. It's a British player. So it, there's a lot of players in budgeting. And actually, like we have like a, a document w with like, and we, we have like 30 and there's probably more than 30 budgeting app out there. Uh, but that's the, the one that we're, we looked at. Uh, so it's it's a crowded play, a marketplace. Uh, but the thing is, there, there's very few companies that try to attack planning, budgeting, and investing, and the tree goes together. Uh, like if you make a plan, you need to save a certain amount of money uh, per month. Uh, so you need budgeting, and then with this amount of money, you should invest it. So you need investment. So I would say that like we're fairly un unique in the fact that we're doing the tree. Um, but they are people doing either of the three. So like in terms of planning, uh, you have plans well in Canada. Um, there's other player in, in the U.S. as well. And in terms of investing, uh, there's like simply Wall Street uh, is uh, fairly well known, uh, but it's just doing the investment part. So so right now, like I would say that there's no company with exact same philosophy. I would say that right now in the U.S. you see players like uh, Wealthfront and uh, and uh, Personal Capital, for example, and they they are uh, like new generation financial institutions that that are registered that take in deposits. Like we're a software, we're not a financial institution, and they touch. Uh, I, I know Personal Capital, for example, like they touch a little bit about budgeting. It's not really a budgeting app, but they do uh, investment analytics and some, some form of planning. Uh, but they do this as a, a loss leader to attract clients at their management firm. Uh, so as for us, it's kind of different. We do that. Uh, that's the main product. We want to help people, whatever financial institution they are, to, to, to be better. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's rare that you're the only one in the world doing something. Mm -hmm. um, so do you think, do you think, uh... You know, monetizing apps is a is a difficult task. So, do you think uh, there would be enough people who would use the premium version of your app? Have you seen any kind of traction? Yeah, we we have like about five percent of our users that convert to the premium version. So it's it's much higher than the the industry average. Like usually a premium app is like one to two percent conversion. Um, and the other thing is that we we make money as well with uh, the the free users uh, because we we are so well positioned. Uh, we, to, to, to have information about the, the financial situation of people, uh, because we, they connected their bank account and they share with us their, their financial goals. And, you know, eventually we're going to add like the, the credit rating. So all this information is so valuable and it allows us to match, uh, 
people with the right offers. So it's good for them because they get a better deal for, I don't know, like a credit card, uh, a brokerage account, a robot advisor account, uh, any kind of product you, you might think, like an insurance product. Um, so it's good for them. Uh, the financial institution get the new client and it's good for us because we, we, we make some money. Uh, so, so we think like right now we make more money from the, the premium subscription than we make, uh, from the, the free ones, but we think it's going to change, uh, fairly soon because, uh, you know, that obviously we have more, the free user are, are growing faster and the, the opportunities for lead is, is, is growing very fast as well. So, so we, we don't, you don't need to make everyone pay to make money. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's pretty amazing. And um, I, I I was starting with you earlier. Uh, previously, you did a crowdfunding campaign through uh, Front Funder, yeah. and uh, it's an interesting crowdfunding platform where you raise money and you give equity um, to the donors, or you have a, like a debt arrangement. So, can you talk about your crowdfunding campaign, your strategy, and how the platform works? Yeah, so, so I mean, everybody is familiar with, uh, like regular crowdfunding. We think about Kickstarter, Indiegogo, where basically you do pre-sales. So you say, I'm gonna release this, this watch or this machine or, and then you can pay, you can have it half price if you pay now. And basically it's a form of debt for a company to finance themselves and, and finance their product, the, the production of their first run. Uh, it's, it's, it's really good for a company making a gadget, like a watch or, or something like that. Uh, in software, very few people want to prepay like one, two years in advance for a software. Uh, so there's <laughs> almost no company do, doing that. Um, and, uh, so equity crowdfunding is a way basically to fundraise, uh, but it allows you to reach to a larger pool of capital. So, uh, as you know, like, you, Given the security laws of Canada, even the U.S., they're, they're similar. You can't raise money from people that are not accredited investors unless they are friends and uh, or family. Uh, and I would say that in Canada, it's uh, it's a little different. The, the, the friends and family exemption is that both exist in the U.S. and Canada. The difference is in Canada. Uh, the, the precedent is that it needs to be a close friends and it needs to be documented. Uh, so in the U.S., people are a little looser and they meet someone at the convention. It's like, okay, we're friends, so you can invest. Uh, in Canada, basically, you need to know the person forever for all of your life. They need to have come to your wedding and, and so on. Uh, so they're considered friends. So you can only raise uh, from accredited investors. So people that have more than a million dollar in liquid assets or make more than 350000 per year for a couple of years. Uh, so it, it's kind of a, a smaller pool of capital. Uh, so by doing equity crowdfunding, you can basically raise money from anyone. And also it's really reduced the legal fees. Usually like when you do like a traditional round, even if you have an accredited investor or a family member, for example, someone that you can raise from, but they would want to put only $5,000, it's going to cost you a couple thousand dollars for, for in legal fees. Uh, so maybe you're not going to do it. And you're going to say the, the ticket is 50000 to invest in my own. With what does like a platform uh, like uh, FrontFunder is that it kind of automatizes the whole process, the signing of all the documents uh, and in such a way that, Basically, anyone can uh, become uh, an angel investor. 
Uh, and in our case, like we had a lot of users that, that were using hard bacon to, to, to grow richer, to invest, to, to, to save money and so on. Uh, and uh, they were interested. They knew the product. So we had a lot of users actually investing in the company. Uh, and you know, it's for us, it's, it's wonderful because it creates like a network. We have over 1000 uh, investors, uh, and they're all Can- Canadians, except I think, uh, the, the first check, which was institutional money from the U.S., but uh, so so it's it's a network of of a thousand uh, ambassadors all over Canada that tell their friends and that want us to succeed. So so it's a it's a it's different than the traditional way, but I think it those people create as much value, if not more, than than you know a couple angels. Mm-hmm. So I I think I saw like you were raising like like. A particular individual could could spend as much as low as ninety nine dollars to be yeah. like an equity owner or, or or debt financier. Is that accurate? Yeah, people could invest as little as ninety nine dollar, and that's part of our our mission was to 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 level the playing field between small investor and big investor. So obviously, financially, did it make sense that we all owed ninety nine dollar investors? Uh, probably not, but there was not so much, first of all. And second, it's really aligned with our mission to, to make it investment as available and, and finance, like to level the playing field. So, so rich people have the same access than, than less rich people. So, so it was important for us. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, we wouldn't have raised like so far, we raised 1.1 million, uh, across two different equity crowdfunding campaign. Obviously, we couldn't have raised that if it was only checks of $99. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, we were structured in such a way that it's not, it's not, it's not the pain to have those investors as well as bigger investors. Mm-hmm. So, so if, if I were to, let's say, purchase equity for $99, how much equity would I get? Is it like 0.1% or something? You would get much less than 0.1 percent. <laughs> oh, even less than that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, guess, it, I guess pro rata. So, like, we, we, you know, last round, I think, in like my numbers, I don't have my cap table in front of my eyes, but it was about, I think, 20 percent equity for uh, 750 thousand. You can make the calculus yourself. I, I don't have a, a cap table, but yeah, 99 dollar doesn't get you much percentage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so I think your first campaign did about six hundred and eighty thousand dollars, if I'm not mistaken. And then you're saying you did like two campaigns, com- and th- those were like one point one million in combined fundraising, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, so the the six hundred eighty uh, figure is, I mean, is not very, it's not accurate. Uh, it's because the closing time was long, so uh, that was. At the time, it was true, <laughs> but we knew we knew it would be more. But the journalist said, "Like, I just want to report on what is actually closed and, and, and official." So it made sense uh, on their part. So so they reported on. So the the, the last round we did was about seven hundred and fifty. Uh, it was a little more, so I think it's seven hundred and eighty, but it's about seven hundred and fifty. Um, and the first round we did before that was two hundred and fifty. Uh, and uh, overall it's 1.1 million because we had a couple of, uh, private investment that, uh, with accredited, accredited investors. So it, it's, it's, it's the total raise so far is 1.1 million, but most of the money is from equity crowdfunding. I mean, a, a million, uh, 
and something is from equity crowdfunding. Wow, this is this is pretty interesting how you were able to raise such a large amount through a crowdfunding platform. That's uh, pretty amazing. And so, I guess I guess so. So, just, so, so your 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 listeners uh, know, like, uh, it's not magic. It, you know, it's uh, fundraising is fundraising. So, so people sometimes when they, I tell them that they, they think, oh, he just like built, a, he made a video and he put a deck out there and you click a button and then a million dollar uh, magically appeared. Uh, basically, like you need to 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 do everything that you do if you would do a traditional round, except that you're talking to more people. So there's less meeting in person and more phone calls. And But I talk to a lot of those investors. I, I wouldn't say that I talk to all, everyone that invested, but I'd say like, you know, and there's a big difference as well. Like if you put uh, $99 or you put, you know, $20,000, uh, there's big chance that I talk to the guy who put $20,000 and I probably didn't talk to the guy who put $99. But uh, there's a lot of uh, of work and, and people, they just don't, you know, throw money at you for no reason. They want to make sure, you know, uh, who's the, the funding team. And the, the so, so there's, yes, it, it was very successful for us, but it, it's also a lot of work. Uh, and I would say it's probably the same amount of work or or a different kind of work at least uh, than raising through the traditional channels uh you know it's it's a, it's a lot of meeting and and, and a lot of uh, grind <laughs> mm-hmm. so is there any particular reason you decided not to take the traditional um approach of speaking to uh, investors vcs uh, was there any particular benefit in trying this approach yeah, to be honest, like, uh, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you need to make decision because you only have 24 uh, hour per day. Uh, so uh, I had a bad experience uh, almost in not being successful at closing uh, Nanjo rounds. Uh, that was at the very beginning of the company when it was much more early stage. Uh, and that led us. Uh, that led me to, to decide to just try this new thing called equity crowdfunding. And it was with another platform. It wasn't with crowdfunding. It was a, with a new platform called GoTrue. Um, and uh, it was very successful. We, 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 at the time, the regulation, uh, capped our fundraise at 250,000 and we raised 250,000 and we have to, we had to say no to a lot of money. Um, so when it came the time to do another round, uh, it, it just became natural because I, I knew what to do, uh, to be successful with equity crowdfunding. And, uh, I, I just went with it. Uh, so, so, so yeah, I, I hope it answered your question. <laughs> yeah. Are you able to share why your, uh, experience was bad when you initially tried to raise an angel round? I, I guess it's a, you know, like at the time, I guess I was angry at those people. Uh, but to be honest, it's really uh, because of, uh, you know, like I think a, an entrepreneur who says it's, it's always the fault of other people is probably a bad entrepreneur. So it was totally my fault. Uh, one of the things I didn't understand well is uh, that uh, uh, especially a private, uh, like a, a round of, of funding is built around a lead investor. And I, I didn't kind of, uh, filter my investor asking like, are you willing to be a lead investor and negotiate a term with me and put the first check before there's any money? And then 
if I did that, I would then realize that it was more, uh, you know, building around, around people that were, had the money, uh, and would be willing to put some money if there was a lead investor that would reassure them and, and convince them that, you know, investing in my company was the right thing. So when I tried to close them, I had the bad surprise of everyone finding an excuse because there was no lead investor. Uh, but they at the time, they didn't tell me, oh, I don't want to invest because there's no lead investor. They would, they, they, they would say like, oh, I just bought this business. I just bought a boat. I just bought a giant house. They, they all had bought something that made it impossible anymore to invest. Uh, obviously, their level of interest was, you know, enough to tell me, yes, I'll invest. But they were kind of waiting to see who would make the first move. And I spent a lot of my time, you know, just trying to line up potential investor and not find a lead investor. So, you know, it's, it's totally my fault. Like if, if I had to do it again, I would spend 100% of my time, uh, finding a lead investor. And as soon as an investor tell you he's not willing to be a lead investor, then you just, you know, you don't spend the time to make a third, uh, a second and third meeting. You just, uh, tell them, Oh, great. Uh, now I'm looking for a lead investor and I'll, keep in touch uh so so that was the mistake it was really early stage as well uh and uh, we i i didn't uh try to fundraise like for the second round where i'm not we're not late stage we're still early stage but we're much later stage than we were at the beginning uh, and i didn't uh do uh try a traditional fundraising because i i, I knew how to do uh to get the money at true equity crowdfunding uh but uh yeah i mean i, I hope my mistake can be useful for other people no, absolutely. I mean, in the past, I've done episodes and all of them were like uh, traditional fundraising through angel investors or VC. Yeah. So this is definitely something different. Now, as you mentioned, like crowdfunding is not as easy as it might seem because, you know, uh, people don't just throw money at companies which are uh, trying to raise money through crowdfunding yeah. platforms. Yeah, and so, I've seen campaign like on front funder like uh, getting nothing like you know or zero or five hundred like if you don't do the work and you don't have a network of people that want to invest it's it's it, you know at the end of the day you're gonna need to convince people to put money in your business it's not like magic or something. Absolutely. So did you have a strategy to promote your crowdfunding page and attract traffic uh, so you can find potential investors? Yeah, like, you know, and I have a background like in marketing, so so it's a thing I know how to do. Uh, we did some advertising and we had a strategy, but this is kind of the icing on the cake. Uh, like you do this to amplify and expand, you know, uh, but this is not how it's not a, just driving traffic to your page is not how you're going to raise uh, your round. Uh, the, the Raising the round is using like who do you know or who uh know me and I don't know them. Uh so so we use like the, the, the data we had in the newsletter, uh like my LinkedIn contact and then I did lead and I was doing reach out. A uh, lot of automated reach reach outs so like e- uh, like uh, LinkedIn messages and and the and the emails. Uh and I was asking them to to fill a simple survey tell asking them like oh would you invest in a like if Harbicon would uh, you know, do equity crowdfunding, would you have some interest? Uh, and a couple of other questions, but basically that was the most important question. And, uh, you cannot solicit. So I, I was not saying like, oh, here's a deal I suggest to you and, uh, you know, 
when can you invest? It was just like uh, really asking if there was some interest. And then I would, I would take the phone and call those people, uh, when the, 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 the equity crowdfunding started. So they, those people were already interest, interested in investing. Um, so, so that, that's kind of the, was the strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, are you planning to do any more equity fundraising or have you raised enough? Uh, I mean, we we're, we plan to raise more money in the future. Uh, we didn't decide yet if it will be like in true equity crowdfunding or, uh, you know, uh, institutional investors. Uh, we, we don't close any door at this moment. And I, I honestly, I don't know which, which one we're going to use. It, it depends on at the end of the day, you want uh to 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 get the 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 best solution for the company uh as the company grows i'm not sure if equity crowdfunding until ipo is a possibility i think it's possible for some company i don't know if it's possible for our company but uh, uh honestly i don't have a, an answer because we 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 didn't decide yet mm-hmm. uh recently you received about uh, 50k grant for an ai research so can you t- uh, talk more about this, um, who provided the grant and what kind of research will you be doing and how this will improve your solution? Yeah, so basically uh, we have an employee that did a master in financial engineering and he, he had r- written a paper um, at the time uh, about using AI to kind of predict uh, the behavior of stocks. Um, so, you know, it was, at some point it became interesting that we should have our own proprietary ratings. And we have, like I mentioned, like Simply Wall Street, there's a couple of companies that have their ratings. It's not based on AI. It's really based on, you know, traditional algorithm. But, you know, we're in 2020. Uh, so we thought if we develop something, it shouldn't be just like a meat. Like, it should be a better product. So uh, we started to look into, like, how do you use that? Uh, to make something that is valuable for uh, small investors, because oftentimes those projects are for trying to, you know, do algo trading and edge that lasts for a couple seconds, so that, that we were not interested. So, so at some point, uh, we, we found like a, a path, like it's an hypothesis, obviously, when it's research, and uh, we decided to go for it, and we applied uh, to the National uh, Research Council of Canada, uh, which finance uh, innovation uh an R&D project and uh, the project was accepted so uh right now uh we have like uh, our senior financial engineering specialist working on it and we uh, we have also a, an intern that uh that's started to 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 work on this project as well uh i mean she, she she's an intern with uh, like i think two master degree uh in the the relevant field like computer science and and financial engineering so uh and how it's going to benefit our users basically we're going to have a rating the same way that you know human analysts say like okay tesla is uh, a buy or a sell for example because it's overvalued for example uh and you have other company that have like a, a grade like oh it's uh, 99 out of 100 or 53 so basically we're going to have our own rating uh probably it's going to be like uh, something like zero or zero to 100 but at the end of the day this is marketing whether it's zero to 10 or you decide to say abc it's all the same uh but we're going to have a rating 
uh, that uh, is going to take into account fundamental of the company. So we want to make sure it's a good company, uh, but as well, uh, some, 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 we're going to use some machine learning to come up uh, as well with, with like what the AI think it's going to be. And, and it's a predictive uh, machine learning. So we don't know yet what factors uh, is going to be predictive of, of future return. Uh, but it's going to be kind of a hybrid approach because if you, if you let AI go loose and completely base a rating on, on something that you don't control, it might end up, you know, recommending something that shouldn't be recommended for some reason. Uh, so, so it's kind of a hybrid approach. Um, and we think we're going to have kind of an edge with this rating. And at the end of the day, like our app is, is just a tool that help people make better decisions. So if people hold, you know, a fund or a stock in, in their investment, whether they chose it themselves or the advisor chose it for them, uh, it's just going to be provided with another tool to to assess if it's a good investment or not. And at the end of the day, it's not a robo product. They're just going to use this piece of information to make a decision. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. Um, Thank you so much. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> well, uh, Julian, it has been very nice uh, speaking with you and learning about you and uh, your business. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. My pleasure, and thank you for inviting me to the show. You're welcome. Uh, you want to share your website? Uh, how can people find you? Yeah, I mean, uh, they can uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Julien Bro, or they can just uh, type hardbacon.ca uh, on their browser or download the app and, uh, you know, create a, a ticket support that will go to our product director who will say, oh, someone talks to you in the support again. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode and you find it to be engaging and insightful and you learn from, uh, from Julian's great sto- story about uh, uh, crowdsourcing 1.1 million and also building an amazing app. And thank you so much for listening to Zonecast and stay tuned for more episodes.